Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Dos opciones extraordinarias. Alexis Ocil, Ocil Alexis. Alexis. Marcó Alexis Sánchez el 0-1. Minuto 42. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there. Welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning, James. Ah, can't believe it. A goodly morning. So long overdue. But it is indeed a goodly morning. Goodly morning to you too, sir. Excellent. Excellent. You're sounding goodlier than I had expected because you've had a you've had a difficult uh, you've had a difficult few days because obviously you were away on holidays, taunting yes. us, teasing us, lying on the beach with your ham on ruffles, and then <laughs> the gods went, nah, not so fast, mister. And exactly. uh, they, they smote you, they smited you with illness and sickness. What What's happened? Well, the karmic retribution was swift, let's say. While I was <laughs> while I was still away, I started feeling a bit ropey. And I thought I'd just been out in the sun too long, to be honest. I thought, you know, it was a bit of hubris on, on that account. But... Um, I, I descended over the next couple of days and I ended up in hospital with some sort of mystery illness. I've had every test under the sun. They think some sort of exotic myokine virus. Uh, and yeah, I'm now on the mend, which is good. But I mean, obviously, obviously, the, the only conclusion to draw from that is that uh, Arsenal's result yesterday was pretty much entirely down to me and my my un, unerring self-sacrifice. It, it is, at this point, irrefutable. Yeah, <laughs> that, that when something bad happens to you, whether it's being robbed at gunpoint, yeah. uh, <laughs> breaking something, hurting yourself in some way, yeah. the, the the there's cause and correlation here. It's mm-hmm. it it it's it just happens time and time again that when something bad happens to you, things go pretty well for Arsenal, and I think we all appreciate your sacrifice, but at the same time. We want our football club to succeed, to do well, to win things. And the question now is, how far are you really willing to go? Does it work, for example, if we do it deliberately? Let's say in the build-up to this FA Cup final, um, we do some kind of live podcast. Let's imagine that scenario. Now, do do you remember the movie Escape to Victory with all the footballers and Pelé and everything in it? I remember it well. There's a scene, isn't there, where the goalkeeper has to get injured so that Sylvester Stallone can play in goal for some reason. I can't remember the exact reason why. Right, And, yeah, yeah. and th- there's this scene in the dressing room where they sort of put his arm down on a bench, something like that, and, and someone just sort of snaps his arm with a kick. I can't remember who does it. It could be Bobby Moore or one, whoever the hell was in the film. They snap his arm and Sylvester Stallone plays in goal and everything works out well and the Nazis, damn Nazis, are defeated by the greatness of football and everything else. Would that be just going too far? <laughs> or, or I don't know. I, I, I do I mean, wonder. It would make for a great podcast. 
you know, we could have a special guest. Philippe Claire comes down <laughs> and <laughs> snaps my arm into live on air. But he um, would do no, it with such grace and panache. That's the thing. You'd hardly feel it. It would be so, it would be a jazzy break. It would be, it would be it musical. Would be. You do it with Elan, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I uh, I don't know. I mean, I am worried that kind of on the eve of the FA Cup final, I'm sort of going to get a knock at my door and open it and there'll be, you know, a horde of Arsenal fans with pitchforks there, you know, <laughs> ready to sort of drag me out of my house, hang, draw and quarter me, whatever is necessary. Robbie from um, Arsenal Fan TV in the background filming it because that would be just a, a, great, a yeah. great piece of video. <laughs> yeah, DT and troops just going going hell for leather on kicking my the shit out of you body. Like. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that is inevitable. But look, uh, look, we'll t- we'll see how we go. I mean, let me get over this, and then I'll, I'll consider you know what I'll do for the final. Well, okay, I'm fine. And look, I I will say that I'm glad that you're feeling better this morning. I was I was worried about you over the weekend, so I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're feeling better. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I mean, it is funny when you're in hospital. They they keep telling you you're doing very well. I mean, we're not going to let you go and we don't know what's wrong with you and we're going to keep changing your medication, but you're doing very well. And after a while, you do start wondering, how well am I doing here? Because <laughs> you, you, you're you not letting me out. I've got a temperature of over 40 degrees. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm doing well, but it's, you know, it's nice that they're encouraging. So uh, well, that's yeah, my it. spirits are up. That's good. It's all in the mind, you see. Mind over matter. It's, you know. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, well, look, um, you know, it's good in some ways, or many ways, obviously, that, that your illness um, brought about this fantastic result for Arsenal because Arsenal needed a fantastic result. They needed a big performance. And I think going into this game, I can only speak for myself, but I felt not terribly confident about what we were going to see from this Arsenal side. You know, form has been so patchy. It's been so indifferent. Um, confidence is low. We've changed our system to play three at the back. And you wonder, mm. okay, against a team like Borough, you, you 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 get away with it or or it works to a certain extent. But would it work against Manchester City and the, the attacking potency that they have? And how would we respond, for example, if we went a goal down? And so many, I won't say questions were completely answered, but there were so many promising signs Um by what we saw yesterday, obviously the result, but I think the performance as well, that there was just something there was something different, something that has been missing from this Arsenal team was there again yesterday, and that was really great to see. Yeah, I think there was commitment, wasn't there? And I think there was just that, I mean, it's uh, the, the desire was there in the team, and I felt like the system... The system helped them. I think Arsene Wenger's talked about the fact that changing the formation has given them something new to believe in. And I felt that you could sense that on the pitch. I don't know. There was just... It was such a relief to see a team who felt as if they were genuinely committed to the cause. And I felt like we haven't seen that for months now, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was interesting, obviously, listening to Ian Wright. um, Yeah on the Arscast uh, on Friday and he was talking about how what Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain said and how it w- how it needed to be said. I think we discussed it, didn't we, on the Arscast Extra last week that w- mm. was it just was it just something that they said or was it something that they meant and I think we, we saw that perhaps there was some actions behind the words uh, yesterday that that maybe it was in some way something that helped consolidate the players that that got them together and got them focused again. Well, I think when people reacted to those words a little bit cynically, I think that was understandable mm. uh, because performances hadn't really reflected 
that belief among the players. They didn't play as if they felt like it was an honour to play for Arsenal. But I think at Wembley, they did a little bit. Yeah. And that was obviously great to see. So look, let's go Let's go through it. I mean, he kept the same system. He kept the same team. There were no additions or no um, changes to the team that, that beat Borough 2-1. And I think in the first half, we saw perhaps a measure of uncertainty from... Uh, Arsenal in terms of how they were going to approach the game because I I think it was probably deliberate that we sat back, we stayed organised. If you looked at the way we got back into position, we got men behind the ball when City had possession. I think that was obviously a very deliberate strategy, but it's not necessarily the way we normally play. It's not the way we, we're used to playing. So I think there there was a little bit of uncertainty there in, in, in some ways and City, I, uh, I think, had the best of the first half. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, they had the the penalty shout with Aguero, which I thought would have been a bit soft. What did you make of that one? I, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Look, I don't think there was any real intent on Oxlade-Chamberlain's part to make a tackle. He did make contact with him, and I think that's what caused Aguero to to clip his own heels and go over. So it was pretty 50-50. Like, had they given it, I'm not sure we could have had too many complaints, but I'm you know yeah. obviously glad that the referee wasn't inclined to give uh, too many things uh, or too many big decisions. He seemed to just sort of fudge them in a way because there was one on Alexis Sanchez as well, wasn't there? Yeah, and I guess you know, I, I guess the the officials made the conservative choice with the, uh, the the ball that went behind as well. You know, I mean, I guess they, if you're not sure, they probably thought safer to to disallow it. But Ooh, we benefited I, from yeah. that decision too. Big I, time. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> was pretty bad. Like yeah, if you yeah. if you're not sure, it's gone all the way out. I mean, it didn't look to me in real time like it was a ball that had gone out. I mean, no, never, never even, than ours. Yeah, never, never occurred to me that it, the cross might have gone all the way out of play. Um, so I think we get, we definitely got a bit of luck there. That was a decision that the uh, the linesman made, uh, which benefited us in a in a very big way because uh, Aguero scored it and Sterling also scored it. So um, we, we got away with one there. And I do wonder, you know, as much as we we reacted to the goal. When it came quite quickly, I do wonder how it would have gone if we'd gone in one nil down, conceding just before half time. I do wonder would we have had you know those doubts? Would they have had time to settle in over the over the half time period? Yeah, because I think the second half felt like a a completely different game almost. Arsenal, as soon as the second half started, came out with a different impetus. In the first half, we just looked. We just looked like a team who didn't really have much confidence, who didn't really know the system, who didn't really know how to break forward almost. Mm. And I, I think it wasn't the worst thing, really. I mean, we stayed very compact, very deep. Uh, we defended relatively well uh, and sort of stayed in the game. And to be honest, that was my biggest fear, that we might get blown away if we conceded one early doors, perhaps we'd collapse. So I think going in at half-time, nil-nil, was uh, pretty decent, all things considered. Yeah, it was, yeah. A little bit of uh, good fortune going our way, but we haven't had a lot of that in recent weeks. So I'm I'm uh, not going to complain about it when it goes our way. And like you, I think second half we started very brightly. The second period, um, I, don't, I don't know that we really threatened a huge amount, but we were certainly much more in the game. We played much more of the game in in Man City's half. And then, of course, do you think there was perhaps a measure of overconfidence or just a lapse in concentration? Uh, when it came to their goal, because I know people have focused on Aaron Ramsey giving the ball away, and that was certainly a part of it. But I think it was a it was a catalogue of of errors, really, because Xhaka and Monreal should have been 
marshalling Aguero um, a bit more closely than they were. So one ball over the top mm. um, sends him free. And then I think the goalkeeper was found wanting as well. Yeah, and, and I think, I know Czech's not necessarily that sort of keeper, but I think his starting position wasn't great. I think he, he could have been a little bit higher up the field, which would give him more chance maybe when Aguero took that heavy touch. So, yeah, I think maybe, you know, obviously Ramsey, I think he was surrounded by three players. He should have been a bit more conservative than he was. Mm. Um, but that's Aaron Ramsey, isn't it? I mean, he's been doing that for, for yeah. years and years, taking risks. It's partly what makes him good. It's partly what can make him a little bit of a defensive liability. But having conceded there you'd still be disappointed to effectively concede a goal from one long pass. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought the keeper, there was Aguero's second touch it was that was just a bit heavy and I thought Czech at that point just needed to come, yeah. take the ball, take the man, clean it all out, you know? Yep, absolutely. I think he could have as well, but went back on his heels. And um, in a way, it sort of reminded me a bit of when... When David Seaman was in his later years, I think what happened to him was he had this sort of tendency to make himself smaller than he was. I don't quite know what it is. He used to he used to lean all the way backwards at times. Um, yeah. And, and I think there was something in that that we saw with Czech that maybe he didn't trust himself or didn't trust his, his reflexes or his pace, his, you know, slowing down a bit perhaps to come and get the ball. Maybe he thought if he came and got the man then he might be risking a, a red card. Um, but I think it was there for him, or I think it was there certainly for uh, a more alert goalkeeper to get it because that touch from Aguero was not great. And then when he didn't come, he sort of leaned out of the way, allowing Aguero to finish. Now, it was a really, really nice finish from Aguero. Yeah, I don't think finish. we can have any um, uh, complaints about that, but certainly the goalkeeping... Is, uh, is open to question. So look, a, mi- a mistake high up the field, a mistake in midfield and a mistake from the goalkeeper or or just play that you would not consider quite up to scratch and that, that allowed City to score. And from there you were wondering, okay, well, what is, what is in this team? You know, we've seen some good signs. We've seen some determination, some effort, some fight. Can they provide some quality on top of that. And I think it was only eight or nine minutes later that we got the equaliser. Yeah, so indeed. I mean, I've completely forgotten how it came about now. You have okay, to well, me. here's what happened, because I looked at it again before we before oh, we came yes, on air. Go on. Aaron Ramsey closed down Bravo. The City had played the ball back to Bravo. Aaron Ramsey went and pressured him, and he sliced a kick. Yeah. Into, into, touch. into touch. From there, we took the throw in, came to Oxlade-Chamberlain. Monreal is on the far side of the pitch. He's, you know, almost level with where uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain is. The two wingbacks almost um, um, parallel to each other on opposite sides of the pitch. Oxlade-Chamberlain takes uh, a couple of touches, looks up. I think, really, he was aiming across towards Giroud. That would be my thinking, but hit across towards the back post. Monreal... Just, well, fuck it. When fuck it, let's have a go here. Let's follow it in and see what happens. The determination to get into that position, the timing of the run, everything was absolutely perfect. Perfect. Mm. And uh, his finish with his right foot on the run, superb. Yeah. And I think you're right to go back to site uh, Ramsey closing down Bravo because it just felt like if we were going to get something, it might come via that. Bravo you know so unpredictable what he's going to do on the ball and yeah. it's such a weakness in that City team and I think I actually just seconds before we scored I think I tweeted saying give it to Bravo I mean that was looked like <laughs> our best hope and then he boomed that ball out of touch enabled us to get the ball back and mm. what a cross from Oxlade-Chamberlain I mean his delivery 
I think has really come on leaps and bounds this season. Um, and even if he was aiming for Giroud, the, the whip and the dip on the ball mm. was absolutely perfect. And credit to Montreal. I mean, we all talked about Nacho Montreal after the Middlesbrough game saying his wing back is best position you know I mean is he suited to that role I mean he really fought back against any criticism with his performance yesterday and effective at both ends of the pitch and surprisingly so with the equaliser yeah I thought he was outstanding yesterday I know he's a little bit culpable on the um on the goal, the but, uh, you know, I think uh, I think there was a pair of them in it there. But, like, defensively, when you consider a few weeks ago, he had some issues, didn't he, with Navas um, down the right-hand side against Manchester City in the league game. Uh, he was brilliant yesterday. He, he, he won headers. He was back defending. He blocked crosses. He won tackles. You know, I thought both him and Oxlade-Chamberlain were, were fantastic. And I think, you know, midfield was grand, I think Alexis was fine. Also was fine. Giroud struggled a little bit up front, but certainly the 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 back five were the standout performers for Arsenal uh, yesterday. The uh, the two centre halves either either side of Koscielny were fantastic. Gabriel was was great. Rob Holding, I mean, what the fuck? He's twenty years of age. He hasn't played much this season. He's being thrust into a a team that has been. Uh, underperforming, that has looked shaky, defensively suspect. He's put into mm. a back three, a brand new system. He's at Wembley playing in an FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City. The occasion, the pressure, none of that seemed to get to him at all. And uh, it, it was fantastic to see him play that way. The two wingbacks, really, really good as well. So maybe there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a future in this formation. I know it's probably something we'll get onto a bit later on when we get some questions, but you know... <sighs> When you look at how things have gone um, this season, the need to change something, we have changed something. I don't think it's uh, it's all 100% there yet. There's still some work to do, but it's it's promising to see that a, a change of that, that um, magnitude can actually bring about a positive um, outcome for, for Arsenal and for the players who, who look like yeah. they're, they're on board with it. Absolutely. I mean, it'd be fascinating to know, wouldn't it, exactly how this change came about? You know, was it entirely from Arsene Wenger's instigation? Did Steve Bowl play a role? Were the mm. players, did they have a role too? Uh, because it seems like people are really buying into it. And looking at some of the post-match interviews, the players felt really positive about the, the new formation. I mean, as they're going to after the two wins from two games. Uh, but that that's just such an energising thing for the club and the team. Mm. And it, it does seem to suit you know, the, the vast majority of the players we have in the squad. One of the players I don't think it necessarily suits is, is Olivier Giroud. Um, he, yeah. he, he didn't get a lot of service yesterday. And I think there was a very good case to be made for the referee doing something about the way he was being um, treated, I guess, by by company and by Otamendi. Um, but it, he, he's... He is in some ways an easy player to play against Giroud. Mm. Like if you if you're allowed to be that physical with him, it's not something that he necessarily cherishes or relishes that that sort of physical battle. You know, for a guy of his size, you do feel like he could be a bit more a bit more physical himself to counter that. But it is difficult when you're trying to hold the ball up and there's a centre half with his arm around your neck or pulling your shirt every single time. It is difficult. But when Welbeck came on. There was just a, there was more dynamism to the way that we attacked. There was more movement. There was more pace up front. I think Welbeck, because he's not quite as uh, or anywhere near as static as as Giroud, um, he caused City problems. He caused their defence much uh, many more problems than than Giroud did. And 
you know, I look at this system and I look at I look at the way that we are trying to play with it, and I I, I like Welbeck. I do. I think he's a he's a good player, but you wonder if perhaps it's something we're going to stick with. If an upgrade on a Welbeck type striker might be the thing that really adds the not the final touches, but something really different to this formation to make it uh, much more effective. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, Welbeck, I don't think... We'd all like Danny Welbeck to suddenly become a a clinical finisher, but it it doesn't necessarily seem likely, given what we've seen of him in his Mm. career thus far. I don't think that detracts from his value as a a squad player and even a team player. I think that there are several roles he can play within various formations. Mm. and, And he played a really important role yesterday. I mean... I saw a good tweet, um, I think it was from Clive PAFC, who said, you know, Danny Welbeck changed this game, but he probably should have finished this game. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that's an accurate summation. I mean, he, he, he really helped transform us because we were trying to play on the break, you know, for the majority of the time. And Olivier Giroud just doesn't really have the range of movement to help you in those scenarios, whereas Welbeck could drag City's defenders out to the flanks. He could run in behind. Suddenly there was so much variety to our play. A couple of his decisions, you know, were the wrong ones, and mm. uh, he's, he probably should have scored with the header in extra time. But him coming on was a big moment, and I know a lot of people called for him to start the game, but he only trained, I think, you know, the day before, or a couple of days before. Yeah. So we we don't really know what kind of state he was in. So mm. and him coming on actually in the last stages of this match with City tiring, I think probably had a benefit because he had so much more power than most people out there. Yeah, it's a fair point. And, you know, we do have to remember that he was played uh, up front for a few games uh, in which he was relatively underwhelming. So, you know, th- there are circumstances, but he did have a, a, a really big impact. That shot that just sort of grazed the post when he cut inside. I mean, in one ways, in one way, I, I can understand why he was shooting because there was a moment, wasn't there, a few minutes before when Mesut Ozil had the chance to shoot with his right foot and yeah. he cut inside and got dispossessed. And you're thinking, oh, would well, I mean, just fucking have a go when you're in that position. Just take take a shot. So, you know, on that basis, I'm in some ways, I'm glad he had a go. It was only, it was a couple of inches away from hitting the inside of the post and going in. Uh, Ramsey and Alexis Sanchez weren't necessarily quite as happy <laughs> with him uh, because he could have uh, he could have pulled the ball back, particularly for, for Alexis. But, you know, it was from a Welbeck um, moment that we, that we got the winner. Uh, he was involved... Um, down the left-hand side. He won a free kick, you know, he held the ball up well, drew the foul from the man. Um, and then, of course, you know, his uh, his incredible dummy in the box uh, is what allowed Alexis <laughs> to score. I think we've seen that from him before, actually. I can't remember what goal it was, but a couple of years ago, a kind of a miscued attempt that led to an assist. But I, I, look, uh, I think Alexis, the way he pounced on that ball really impressed me. I mean, we've seen it from him before, but he's so quick to react, so explosive. And his, his first touch is so tight in that little area of the six-yard yeah. box. I mean, it looks like a simple tap-in, but it's only because he's a player of such high quality and uh, he seized upon that chance. And yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I haven't celebrated an Arsenal goal like that for a, a long, long time. Yeah, same, same. And as this game went on, my I, I could feel something. Maybe it's just ridiculous. Maybe it's because it's it's been so bad. But, you know, I felt something 
get going again in me about Arsenal. Stirring. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was, it wasn't that I didn't want us to win. Of course not. But, you know, there was a part of me that's sort of going, oh, well, you know, just get the fucking, get it all over with so we can just, you know, oh God, oh my, just, you know. And then as the game goes on, you sort of more, I mean, I've, I don't think I've been as vocal during a game um, where I'm sort of like, ooh, ah, and, you know, all that, the dog leaps up every time, you know. He doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. enjoy me watching football. He gets a bit nervous. Um, maybe it's because, you know, you're going, ah, for fuck's sake, what the, you know, and he goes, he's like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> but yesterday, you know, he was sort of lying asleep on the on the rug in front of me and was like, oh, because I was, I was uh, just reacting to stuff and I felt just a bit more connected with this, team with this group of players maybe it's to do with how they played maybe it's to do with the fact they showed that they cared maybe it's to do with the fact that you know we won a big game coming from behind against big opposition on a big occasion you know that's all these doubts you have about this team's ability to do that were not not dispelled completely but jesus it's just much better when we do that than fucking lose 3-0 against palace of course it's redundant to say that but you know it, it, things when things are bad, they maybe feel worse than they actually are. And yeah. it's when something good happens that you go, oh, fuck, you know, this is why. This is why I spend so much of my time thinking about this fucking football team, you know? It's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, look, I see all things through the prism of my current illness. <laughs> but you know when you're unwell, really unwell with yeah. the flu or what have you, and everything Everything's difficult. All food that you normally like doesn't taste nice. Your mm. body doesn't feel right. And then suddenly you start to feel better. Yeah. And you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, the world isn't quite as shit. The sky is actually relatively blue. Uh, you know, the air tastes nicer. Suddenly you remember why you like being alive. <laughs> and I, I was sort of going through that experience while watching this game and simultaneously having that feeling about Arsenal. I suddenly, I was like you, I started watching the game and I, someone asked me if I thought we'd win. I was like, I don't know, I don't think so really. But I, I almost was kind of like get it over with I you know I expected the worst yeah and and then uh the performance of the team and I think seeing all those fans at Wembley and seeing what it meant to them mm. and and a little bit as well having listened to Ian Wright on the Ask Us the other day I think his words and his passion for the club slightly reignited something in me so if you haven't listened to that definitely go back and do but I think that there were flickers there uh, that made me think ah. Oh, there's something mm. there is some still there is still something there and it's not about you know Wenger in or Wenger out or the the you know contract negotiations or the minutiae there's something much bigger than that that represents something more and cup finals and all that is what it's really about yeah um and that felt really good mm. to be honest i agree with you and you know i don't want to dislike the players. I don't want to fucking feel annoyed by them. I don't want to feel annoyed by my football club all the time. 
I don't want to be angry or frustrated or disenfranchised or disconnected. And I'm not saying that that, that feeling that way is wrong because it's not anything really that, that I've done or you've done or any fan has done to make us feel like that. It's what's happened on the pitch. It's what's happening off the pitch. And, you know, we've been over this a hundred times. You don't need to go over it again today. But, you know, you, you remember that, okay, fuck, it's good. I like you. I like Arsenal. I like football. I like it again. It's it's good. It provides you with these moments of of happiness, of, of joy that maybe they're rare. Maybe we should appreciate them more when they happen. But, you know, there was just something yesterday that made me fucking like football again. And uh, yeah. I, I'm, I feel better liking it than disliking it or disliking everything, you know, and it's out of our hands. That's the thing. It is something that's completely out of our hands because we're dependent on those guys going out across the white line and... Uh, you know, doing the business uh, for for the football club. But, you know, it has been a difficult period. It has been a, a dark few months, really. So to have this light in the distance, light on the horizon, I think is, is a really good thing. You know, to have an FA Cup final, a chance of a trophy. People want trophies. They're demanding trophies and success. And this is a chance to, to achieve that. Um, we're going to play Chelsea in the FA Cup final. And I can't tell you, James, um, as much as I look at them and think they are a, a fantastic team and are going to be very, very difficult uh, to, to beat in the final, sure. I don't have the words to express to you how much I'd rather play them than Tottenham in the final. Oh, I mean, it, there's there's no comparison. I mean, there are so many reasons for that. One, of course is the brilliance of seeing Spurs lose the semi-final on the preceding day. I mean, that was enjoyable in itself. <laughs> Their seventh successive FA Cup semi-final defeat, a new record. They are the record breakers. I know. And watching Jermaine Genus crying about it in the BBC <laughs> studio. <laughs> that was so brilliant. Like, I'm not necessarily a fan of Alan Shearer, but uh, maybe I should play a clip of that just in case uh, nobody's heard it. Hang on, we'll play that for you now. Here it is. I don't see how you don't feel that Spurs deserve to win that. Well, not lose the game in the way that they did anyway. You know, they, they were the better team throughout the game. They dominated possession throughout. But granted, you know, I think that Chelsea were much more potent in front of goal. But there's no way Spurs deserve to do that. You don't win game. games by having possession. No, yeah. We know that, but listen, Spurs yeah. have dominated that game. Possession-wise. Chelsea were on the back foot for, for the majority You've of the You've got a Chelsea team on. who are playing against the best defensive team in the league and they've scored yeah. four goals. You can't say they don't deserve I mean, to Matches win. just smashing into the roof and then like, into the top corner. Like, yeah, that was obviously brilliant. Um, and then, obviously, I, I, I mean, the, the big prize at the end of the season, potentially, I, I, I almost daren't talk about it because I'm still worried about the, what happens with the league title. But Spurs might have, you know, their best season in years and years and years and years and ours are worse for years and years and years. And they might not win a trophy and we could yeah i mean that is that is on the table it's a mm. tantalizing prospect i know yeah um so there was all that playing into it i forgot what we're talking about now i got so excited carrying away with spurs we were mostly just laughing at spurs oh uh, yeah fair enough fair enough i mean we can laugh at liverpool as well while we're at it yeah um Good to see Crystal Palace are now the best team in the world under <laughs> Sam Allardyce. It turns out he was right all along, the managerial genius. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, Spurs, great to see. No, great absolutely see. fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed watching that uh, that semi final the other day. Um, 
And look, you know, it's uh, we've got a big game against them coming up. But, you know, I think the, the, the prospect of, of them in the final would just have been too much for my stomach and my heart oh. and my brain and yeah. everything else. Um, it is obviously going to be very difficult. And look, I think one thing we've got to say is that, you know, what we did yesterday against Manchester City is fantastic. Reaching the final is fantastic. Uh, but we've got to get our heads straight back into it now because we've got a game against Leicester on Wednesday. We've got Tottenham on Sunday. And those two games will be ones which will you know, give us a real indication of whether or not we've either come to the corner, turned the corner, gone around the corner and come back again, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's no... I don't think we can rest on our laurels in any way. That The, the effort and the concentration and the discipline uh, that we saw yesterday at Wembley has to be replicated on Wednesday night against Leicester. It has to be replicated next uh, next Sunday at White Hart Lane because otherwise we're 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 going to find ourselves in in trouble again. Well, I think we've been looking for something to try and, you know, generate some momentum from. I think, you know, we looked mm. at that Man City home game in the Premier League and thought, okay, maybe we can kickstart something there. But, you know, we, we drew it rather than won it. Didn't give us the, the momentum required. We beat West, a very poor West Ham, but then stumbled again. Yeah. We've been kind of, you know, muddling our way through over the last few weeks. This is a big landmark milestone result. Something that should imbue the team and the fans with some belief and some confidence. And we can push on from here. And and let's not you know suggest for a minute that that makes up for everything that's gone on this season, that that you know, suddenly assuages all the problems and, mm. you know, takes everything away. I, I, I'm not saying that, but I mean, this has been a grim, grim period and I would love to see the club finish the season on at least some sort of upwards trajectory. Yeah. And I think, I think we have a bit of a chance to do that now. And one thing I really loved seeing yesterday, I must touch on it, is when the full, uh, full-time whistle went 90 minutes and we were about to go into extra time, the way that like Granite Xhaka and a couple of the other players turned to the fans and sort of, you know, were waving their hands up in the air, getting the fans on their feet, geeing them up. I just suddenly thought, after everything we've seen at Crystal Palace and the disconnect there's been between the supporters and the players, mm. to see that kind of unity and that kind of reciprocal relationship was really affirming and really exciting to be yeah. honest I wondered I wondered did we kind of hit a, a rock bottom yeah you know that from Maybe. there there's there's you know in some ways it's easier to not not wipe the slate clean but at least try and uh, try and mend things for when you've when you've um, when things have gone as badly as they could possibly go uh, there's only one way th- that it can go and that's back up so hopefully those relationships are are mending they're not fixed i don't think but certainly there's uh, there's some signs from from the players that that things are uh, on the right way so all yeah. in all a good day a great day a goodly day a goodly day a goodly day indeed Uh, just before we go into part two I just want to say to people who uh, have reacted to that Ian Wright episode that we put out on Friday um I don't think I've ever had a reaction like that in terms of people replying on Twitter and emails and everything else. And I see all the tweets. Um, there are just too many of them for me to reply to. So I just want to take a moment because if you're listening to this, I assume you listen to the Ian Wright episode as well. So I just want to take uh, an opportunity uh, to thank you all for all those messages. They're really, really appreciated. And I'm glad that episode uh, resonated uh, and connected with so many people. It was uh, it was fantastic to do. And it was, uh, I think, uh, just just fantastic to sit down with him and listen to what he had to say and uh, and how connected he is with everything as well. So um, thank you to uh, to everyone for taking the time. 
And uh, I just want to say thanks to all the people who sent me secret private messages saying that they hate I and really missed me on that show. I just, uh, I appreciate that as well. Thank you to the, <laughs> the millions, the millions of James fans out there Let's, who, uh, were yeah. like, who, <laughs> who really felt that Ian Wright was a big disappointment and that I would have been better. So thanks yeah. to those guys. All right. Thanks well, look, yeah, look, we have to, we have to make sure that all our audience is catered for here. <laughs> No, it is, a, it is brilliant and you must listen to it. I mean, Ian Wright, he was my absolute favourite player when I was growing up. I, I adored him. Mm. And uh, it's fantastic when your heroes are sort of as you imagine them to be, mm. you know, and they're kind of everything that you would hope for in terms of and, and a footballer who cares that much genuinely about a club. I think a lot of the time in the modern age, we are cynical about that sort of thing. Yeah. We think that it's it's PR or what have you. But his passion for Arsenal, for someone who came to Arsenal relatively late in their life as well, it's not yeah. like he necessarily, you know, grew up feeling that way. He joined Arsenal in his, his mid to late 20s and the thing feeling he has for that club is so extraordinary mm. and it it really really did make me um reflect on my own uh passion for arsenal and sort of uh yeah as i say re- reignite a little bit of that along with the result this weekend's done done wonders for mm. how i feel about the club um just, just, no, without going into too many secrets or revealing secrets or anything you know obviously i was talking to you about uh, doing this and you were going to maybe come along and mm. uh you said uh, in a WhatsApp, oh, got a fever, so I might not be as mobile today as I thought. <laughs> Flu or sunstroke, awful. And then you said, text me later if you're about. I have a wild optimism I might be cured soon, although it, <laughs> it feels unlikely. And then... Uh, not 24 hours later. 24 hours later, another text, in hospital with a temperature of nearly 40 degrees. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's my life, guys. But, well, uh, look. I, I, I'm sure that, you know, if we wanted to do another one with Ian Wright at some point and you were uh, around, uh, um, I'm pretty sure he'd be he'd be willing to do it because he, he did say that he listens and uh, is a big fan of, of you as well. So he's on Team James. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. Right. Shall we have a little break? Yes, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more of your uh, questions and stuff in part two right after this. So happy. So happy. This is fantastic. So happy. Fantastic. The fans so happy. This is fantastic. So happy. So happy. This is fantastic. Fantastic. So happy I go to hope with my dog. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you send to us on Twitter, at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Just before we get started, uh, I know we touched on this at the start of the show, but Jonathan, who is awesome pun, um, asked, do we need to brutally murder James in order to win the league in the Champions League? If so, how should we do it? And I feel, Jonathan, while I uh, respect your outlook on this, and I think we all know that uh, when bad things happen to James, good things happen to, to Arsenal. Uh, brutally? I mean, could we not show James some kindness as we murder him? Does could it we not euthanize James? <laughs> Does it have to be carnage, an act of sheer savagery? No, I don't think it does. I, I think it depends on the type of win you want. I mean, I think if you're happy to take a kind of scrappy 1-0 or like a 0-0 win on penalties in the final, then, you know, a bullet to the back of the head will suffice. <laughs> but <laughs> if you want to humiliate Chelsea 3-5-0, I mean, I'm really going to have to go through the mill here. You are. I, and I appreciate that. Perhaps literally. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know... I, I accept that. Mm, yeah, machetes are ground up into corn or flour or something like that. Um, yeah, That's no, I, I think in fairness, over the course of 171 episodes, you have you've merited some kindness in your demise. If that's the way we're going to go, so. Oh, no. Thank you very much. That's all that's, right. That's something. It is something. Uh, oh, uh, one other uh, thing. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to touch on it as well, but we've had like a lot of questions about Hector Bellerin's hair. Yeah, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. I mean, it, I don't know what to say, really. I mean, I, I at one stage in my life thought that getting cornrows might be a good idea, <laughs> if you can believe it. I swear, I was about 15 and I had long hair, long, long hair. You did, thought, yeah. You used to have, yeah. you used to be a bit like Sideshow Bob. You had that kind yeah, of thing going yeah. on, yeah. And it, it, it was sort of curly enough that it could have been bound into something representing cornrows. And I thought, you know, while this is, I don't know, culturally appropriative in many ways, perhaps <laughs> it would be good. I didn't actually go through with it, thank God. Uh, so there's no photographic evidence. Mm. Um, but, you know, I considered it. However, Hector is a, a man of considerably more style than me. I mean, let's not forget, a, a year ago, he was the most swish-looking man on this Arsenal team. Yeah. Yeah, but now I, I really have to question his his choices. Look, on 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 the one hand, I really don't give a fuck what his hair no. is like or what anyone's hair is like. I could I just couldn't give a shit. I don't think it has any effect on anything. It you know I just don't care. But on the other hand, it's fucking terrible. It's it's not good. I mean, <laughs> it's they they are among the worst cornrows I've ever seen. I'll put it like that. Yes, I mean uh, if. There was actual corn in them. You could say, well, that's a good reason because, you know, he's, he's got the environment in mind. Hector Bellerin's hair is self-sustaining. He can feed his own family with his corn from his cornrows. But sure. But that's not the case. It's just a no. really terrible hairstyle. It's it's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Let I me mean, ask you this, though. On a scale of one okay. to ten, how much do you think Hector cares what anyone thinks about his hair? I mean, judging by the decision he's made, not at all. <laughs> Zero. Which? <laughs> he, he. I mean, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Got to have confidence. That's what makes Hector Hector. His yeah. unwavering confidence in his own Hectorness, his Hectorosity. I mean, when, 
When Nacho Monreal scored, did he not run to Hector Bellerin shortly afterwards, as if to say, this is for the cornrows? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> that must have been what it did. was. Yeah. It's the only plausible explanation. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I'm not a fan. Has Arsene Wenger dropped him because of the cornrows? I couldn't possibly say. But, uh, yeah, uh, Hector, Hector will do as Hector once mm. and I, as long as that's not going to Barcelona then I'm fine with it <laughs> alright well do we have a do we have a real question we do have a real question okay this is from Clive PAFC um, I mentioned him earlier actually he's getting some good press today he says have we found the new Martin Keown in Gabriel he took out silver no messing we missed that player that says I will not be passed um Look, I thought he was excellent yesterday. I thought uh, I thought it was hilarious the way Manchester City were going mental as if Arsenal were these, this team of hatchet men, these kickers, these uh, sort of hard men, uh, vicious, uncompromising foulers that leave their opponents crumpled in terrible heaps on the ground. You know, it was quite funny to see that because Arsenal have this reputation, of course, of being a little bit soft. You know, he went in on David Silva. It was a bit of a, an unfortunate one that Silva had to go off. Unfortunate for Silva, I don't think it did us any harm at all because he's such a such a fantastic player. Um, to to suggest that we found the new Martin Keown, I think might be just a little bit premature. But I do wonder if he is a player who might be better in a back three than in a back four. And I yeah. think you could look at a number of our centre-halves and ask that question, because we talked about it last week. Would Mustafi perhaps be a little bit better in uh, a back three than uh, as part of a central defensive two? And it was interesting. Arsene Wenger spoke after the game about Gabriel. He said, look, he's played a bit at right back this season. He's done quite well there. And now he's playing in a position that's sort of slightly between the two because he obviously has to cover the wide areas as uh, as one of the three centre-halves. Um, but he's sort of caught between the... Not caught between the two stools, but, you know, it's, it seems to suit him quite well. Um, so if this is part of the the confidence and belief that the players can take from this new system, then I'm I'm for it because... Koscielny, um, I think, has been quietly effective as that central player in the in the back three and outside him he's got Rob Holding he's got Gabrielle you know who two players over who you would have worries for different reasons Gabrielle because he hasn't necessarily been um, that assured he's looked a bit rabid in the headlights as some people have said at times but was brilliant in that back three yesterday um, yeah. Rob Holding we, we spoke about before Amazing! What a, what a performance from a, from a twenty year old. So yeah. maybe it's the, the the system that will get more out of these players um, going forward. And I think it's something I'd really like us to to stick with. Yeah, and I think Gabrielle. You know, I think what Clive's right about in some respects is that it is nice to have a centre half who really. really think pretty full bloodedly, and and I do enjoy watching that. I mean. Uh, I watched one of those teammates videos with Alex Awobi over the weekend where he was, you know, asked about who's the quickest, who's the most skillful. Mm. Everyone always says Santi Gazzola. Yeah. But they always say, <laughs> who do you sort of, I can't remember what was the question, but it was basically like, who's the guy you don't want to play against in training? And it was, Gabriel was the answer because, you know, he he's absolutely committed in Look every challenge. Look what he did to Wilshire. Exactly, exactly. Now, obviously, you know, that's, uh, but when you when you hear reports about, 
our best teams. It's always like, well, training was super competitive too. And I think that it's probably important to have that, that little bit yeah. of needle, that little bit of edge. Um, whether Gabriel is like, you know, I don't think he can match. I mean, Keown was a brilliant defender, brilliant marker. Uh, I think he was much more than just an aggressor. And I think Gabriel's got a way to go before that comparison's kind of valid. But mm. he had his best game in an Arsenal shirt yesterday, I think. Yeah. And I think the system does suit him. I actually think as well that he could be useful. He's doing well in that right-sided role. I think he could probably do okay in the left-sided role too. He, he played left-back a couple of times, I think, in his career. So yeah. he's an interesting player who um, could operate in a, in a couple of roles in this three-at-the-back system. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think on form, he's got to keep his place when Mustafi comes back. Yeah, I think so. That back three has performed well enough to uh, to keep their places. I think you've got to reward the players, but also bear in mind we've got a lot of football to play over the next few weeks, so there may be True. some need to rotate things uh, a little bit. So on that... We have a question from Neil Armstrong, who's at One Giant Leap. Uh, it's great to have a, a famous astronaut listening to the show. So thank you to you, Neil. Um, he says, after Sunday's extra time and with an eye on the weekend North London derby, it's probably time for a bit of rotation against Leicester. Would you? Uh, who would be your ins and outs? Oh, good question. Good question indeed. I would probably, uh, let's have a think. Well, Hector Bellerin's an obvious one to bring in, potentially. Mm. There was some Um, suggestion that Oxlade-Chamberlain left Wembley on crutches as a precautionary measure. I don't know whether it was... um whether it was I that as well, and he, he did seem to go off with a knock, didn't he? I, was, yeah. well, I remember him being off the pitch, and then suddenly he was sub- sub- substituted off, but it wasn't really clear what had happened to him. Mm. Um, I assumed it was cramp at the time, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, nothing worse. I mean, we'll get on to him. I've got a question about him because his performance was 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 excellent. Uh, but Hector Bellerin for Oxley Chamberlain—that's a very you know, sensible swap, isn't it? I mean, Bellerin should be yeah. uh, really strong in that position. Uh, elsewhere, maybe in the centre midfield, you've got El Nenny, haven't you? Who's a, mm. an option to bring in for somebody. Um, and then up top, I mean, how many minutes did Welbeck play? I guess he ended up playing about. Well, he came minutes. on in the eighty-third minute. So, oh, did he? Yeah, it was. It was quite oh, a late tr- a change. Oh, it was quite a late change, so forgive me. Mm. Well, he, so he could be fresh enough to start then in that game, potentially. And then Alex Awobi is another one who I think's got a, a possibility, maybe, if they they could maybe push Alexis up top and put Iwobi into the position Alexis has been playing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't expect loads of changes, to be mm. honest, just because I think with the team having finally got a little bit of momentum together, Arsene Wenger will be keen to keep that intact. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I can't foresee too many changes, to be perfectly honest. Um, it depends on w- what happens with certain players after playing 120 minutes because, you know, you can feel the effects of that. There could be some muscular aches and strains and, you know, there may be some changes forced on the manager that he might not necessarily want to make, but he, he has to just to protect players for the for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. So we, we, we'll wait and see in, in that regard. Um, what else? I think Welbeck probably up front for for Giroud. Um, maybe Walcott. Can you bring Walcott into that system? That's the thing. I don't know where Walcott can play other than as the striker in that system. Um, 
I, I honestly think that's the only possible role. And he, he's already said he doesn't really see himself as a centre forward. So mm. if we stick with that system, I can't see Theo starting. Yeah, it will be maybe, maybe as one of the the two ahead of uh, the the central two. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, like you say, you want to keep as much momentum as possible. So uh, I think changes will be will be minimal and only as required. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't. I mean, maybe he could say, "Look, because the wing backs cover an awful lot of ground in that system, so he might say, look, Gibbs and Bellerin, give them a run out, give uh, yeah. Monreal and, and Oxlade Chamberlain a rest.' I think that's probably the the most prudent option. But uh, we'll mm. see what Arsene see what Arsene advances. All right. Uh, let's have a question. This is a, a question from Filippo Clare, my uh, arm breaker. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was glad to see you're not holding any advanced grudges on this. That's good. Yeah, he says, how would you like your arms, Snap? No, he says, <laughs> uh, is getting the Ox to sign a contract extension more important, in fact, than showering Alexis and Ozil with doubloons? <laughs> doubloons. Hasht- and then he's put, hashtag pragmatism. Is it more important? I'm not sure. Is it important? I think it probably is. Um... He's a player who uh, the manager keeps talking about how he wants to keep him, keeps saying it over and over, but doesn't seem to be doing anything about it in terms of offering him a new contract. And there have been stories linking him with a move to Liverpool. There have been some rumours last week that it was all arranged and done. I'm not sure if if that's the case. I think Mm. it strikes me that Oxley chamberlain if he was offered the right deal at Arsenal, would want to stay at Arsenal because he's been here since he was 17. He's now, uh, you know, coming into the the time of his career where he's really going to kick on. So maybe the uncertainty about where he's going to play and how often he's going to play is is a factor. But, you know, it would be, we've spoken about it before, you know, to to put six years of, of work into a player and then let him go at the age of 23 would be, would be bad business. Um, I think it's, it's really important to try as much as possible to keep Mesut Ozil and, and uh, Alexis Sanchez because of the, the stature that they provide, because of the quality that they provide, and because of what it would say about the the club if you weren't able to hang on to those players. You know, having, having moved into a new era where we could sign players like that, not being able to keep them, I think, would be very damaging. But I also think not being able to keep uh, an, uh, a young player who's going to hopefully get better and who looks like he's improving um, certainly in this second half of the season. I know he hasn't been quite as productive in terms of goals and assists in the in the second half of the season, but his overall performances have been a lot better. And maybe, you know, Arsene Wenger often spoke about him having like this mental barrier, didn't he? That um, he, he, he lacked self-belief. He doubted himself a lot when things went badly. He was like immediately head down. And it looks as if... Mm. He's sort of come through that a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's important that we hang on to to Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think he's a guy that uh, has merited a new deal based on what he's done this season. And if, you know, in a year's time or two years' time it's not working out, then at least you can get some return on your investment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of those goals and assists, I think in the second half of the season, he's generally played in deeper roles, hasn't he, in the, mm. the central midfield and now as a right wing back. I think... That mental uh, aspect is so interesting. Arsene Wenger, I think, said, I don't know if it was yesterday, actually, that now his his head is kind of catching up with his talent. You know, the mm. mental aspect of his game is meeting what he has in terms of pure ability. It does feel, I mean, this has definitely been his 
best season for Arsenal. And so to lose him at this point in his trajectory would be mm. really disappointing. I think it's... I know what Philippe's alluding to when he says, is it more important? Well, I think I know, which is that Oxlade-Chamberlain does feel... It does feel like there's a certain affinity between him and the club. You know, he's kind of grown up here. Mm. And talking about, you know the importance of uh, feel, you know, what the club represents. And, and it, it sort of feels significant that it was Oxlade-Chamberlain who came out in front of the media and said what was said after the Middlesbrough game. And yeah. uh, as trite as some people might consider it, you know, Ian Wright was also stressing how important he felt those words were. And, and that, that's been reflected in his performances as well. There were times in the game yesterday where he was really the driving force of the team. You know, his runs down the right-hand side, he's been a revelation in that role yeah. and whether it's long term or not I just uh, as frustrating as he can be at times I feel like there really is a big player in there and I think letting him go to a rival club where he might explode and become the player we all think he can be would be mm. would be really disappointing Yeah. so I hope they can get it done I really hope they can get it done why it hasn't been done yet I mean that's a whole other conversation, but uh, yeah, it, it certainly let's, is. <laughs> let's hope they can get it done soon. All right, this one uh, comes from Talent, who's at Zambian Gooner. I don't know where he's from, but uh, figure that one out. Like anyway, <laughs> he's keeping that under his hat. He is. Yeah, well, he doesn't want to be found. Um, yeah, location <laughs> unknown. <laughs> he says, or asks rather, does the result yesterday prove that our problem has been the system all along? I don't necessarily know if I subscribe to that. There's plenty of teams doing all right with that sort of system. You know, I mm. saw uh, I saw a Barcelona team play with uh, four. You know, it's kind of a four three three yesterday, and they they didn't do too badly. I um, I think that really, I mean, to borrow a phrase from even Gazidis, <laughs> the three at the back has been the catalyst for change, <laughs> but. I do mean that in a in a positive sense. I think that really the problem was the the kind of stasis, the stagnancy of the team, the mm. fact that it felt like you know there was that lack of accountability. Uh, in fact, I remember seeing a, a tweet in the early stage of the game yesterday from Matthias Caron. He's the ESPN correspondent for Arsenal, and he said, oh, "I'm not sure about this three. So it was something that I'm paraphrasing, but something like Arsenal players are uh, shouting at each other here. Not sure about positioning." Um, worrying signs for the three at the back. And I thought, well, potentially. On the other hand, isn't that exactly what we've needed to see from this Arsenal team? People mm. saying, sorry, mate, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be there. People taking a bit of responsibility on the pitch. And if a shift in formation is what's been required for people to think about a bit, a bit more and take a bit more individual responsibility and think about the shape of the side a bit more, then so be it. I, I think... I think the, the the formation shift has been a big thing, but I think that I don't think the previous formation was necessarily wrong. Do you know what I mean? Sure, I get you. I get you. Look, I I think it was it was something the managers had to do because he tried personnel changes. He obviously tried talking to the players. He tried motivating them. He tried all kinds of things that didn't work this season, and I, I'm almost convinced it was just the last thing that he had up his sleeve to try and refocus or recalibrate his team. It seems yeah. to have worked uh, thus far anyway. And you can see the advantages of it, or you could see how it could be implemented, um, you know, 
is it a coincidence, perhaps, that the the Bosnian guy that we haven't signed, the 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 Schalke guy? Oh, I got a I got an email from a guy actually who oh, told me how to pronounce it properly. Here it is. I'm going to play it. Maybe we can play it. So he's actually uh, sent me an audio clip of how you say it. So let's see if you can hear this. Sead Kolashinac. There. Oh. Sead Kolashinac. Mmm. Kolashinac. I'm just going to call him Sead. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he's my friend. Yeah, but uh, um, I, I'm just saying that, you know, is it coincidence that he's a guy who's played wing back, who looks like he's well suited to that position a bit more, let's say, than than just a, an ordinary left back? So maybe it is something that we're going to stick with over the coming weeks and months. I, you know, I don't know. There's still a lot of football to play, of course, and uh, big tests to come against uh, the champions. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester United, Stoke City away. Um, who else have we got? Southampton away, Everton. You know, so big games between now and the end of the season. I think we'll get a, a bigger indication of whether or not this is a system that's there for the long term or, or, or can work in the long term um, when we get through those games. And, of course, an FA Cup final as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I'm not necessarily as convinced that it's going to be a, a long, long-term thing, but I do think it's the best thing mm. for the team between now and the end of the season, certainly. Okay, another question. Uh, oh, this is one I really enjoyed. I think you'll enjoy it too. So it's from Abstein on Twitter. And um, if you can, look it up. So it's uh, Abstein, which is A-B-S-T-E-E-N. And they ask, Arsblog and Gunnerblog, I really want an Arsenal-related name for my new Yellow Lab puppy. What are your suggestions? And let me tell you, they've included a picture of this puppy, and I think you're going to enjoy this puppy. It's oh, an excellent puppy. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my... And he's wearing a bow tie. He's wearing a bow tie. Oh, my God. I'm going to retweet this now into, into the timeline. Oh, my God. Look at him. He's gorgeous. Um, He's a gorgeous puppy. And yellow, obviously, a, a good colour for us. Yes, of course. FA Cup. Look, it strikes me that um, either Alexis or Sanchez would be a great name for for a, a, a yellow lab, wouldn't it? I, I know we've so. got... I also, Go on. Um, I also think, I think Nacho is a good name for a, a, a yellow lab. Mm-hmm. Nacho. Yeah, that's good, all right, because, yeah, nachos are slightly yellow and crunchy. The dog will get crunchy at some point because he'll fall into some mud and what have you. That's, yeah. just when, that's just what puppies do, but he's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, wow, I want him. Oh, Certainly his name needs to be something to do with the, the weekend result. If it's, you know, the timing's, the timing's right. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, uh, Alexis is good, you know. I think Sanchez got, is probably better because it's Sanchez. San, is Sanchez, nice. you know, Alexis. Sanchez, you've got to imagine calling it in a yeah. park. Sanchez, here, yeah. boy, here, Sanchez. Oh, good Sanchez. Oh, what a good Sanchez. Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. Good. And I also, would, yeah, yeah, Sanchez behaves like a puppy, right? I mean, you know, yeah. there's, there's a natural crossover there. Yes. I was going to call um, uh, Archer before we got called Archer Archer. I was going to call him Steve Dallas. <laughs> okay, nice. I was. I'll, ex gonna, I'll explain to you why. Because there's is a, a comic book um, called Bloom County. So we named right. a lot of our pets after the characters from Bloom County. So our old dog Opus, 
Uh, Opus was a penguin in Bloom County. We had a cat called Binkley, who was one of the characters. We had a cat called Bill the Cat, who was also a cat uh, in in Bloom County. But there's a a character in it called Steve Dallas. He's a a drunken, philandering lawyer type who wears, uh, you know, aviator shades, mirror aviator shades, and he's always got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And uh, I always thought he was very cool. So trying to keep up that naming convention, I was going to call Archer Steve Dallas. But then I realized that, you know, if you're in the park going, Steve Dallas, come over here, Steve Dallas. That would have sounded a little bit uh, weird. So we went with uh, we went with Archer instead. Um, after the, I think uh, it was a good call. The 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 the, uh, the animated TV series Archer. So it, yeah, it, it needs to be a shoutable name. I think. Mm. Okay, well, look, consensus from this podcast is that Sanchez will be a lovely name for this puppy. Yeah, it's a lovely puppy, irrespective of the name. I think the bow tie is a particularly you know, natty edition. Yes, it certainly is. Okay, um, well, let us know, uh, Abstein, what you end up calling the puppy and keep us uh, up to date with pictures. And yeah, uh, yeah more bow ties. Or James. James is a really good name as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your puppy would be sick all the time. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't actually, want that. that's not a good idea. It's yeah, not a good idea. Okay, uh, Luke Kempner wants to know, the top four is back in our hands after Liverpool losing. Could we? Uh, hello, Luke, by the way. I know Luke. I um, oh, Could we? I don't know. I don't know. I, I did a. I did the predictor again. I do the predictor, um, oh, you know, goodness. like where you put in all the results. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing on our predictions, by the way? Not great. As far as um, okay, well, we both predicted a West Ham win, which we got right. right. But we also both predicted a win over... Uh, Crystal, Crystal Palace, Palace, which w- was wrong. Yes. Um, we both predicted a win over Borough, which is right. So we've got two two right and one wrong so far. And ahead of uh, the game on Wednesday, you said a win against Leicester and I said a draw against okay. Leicester. Well, I, I had another go at one of those, you know, putting in all the results yeah. yesterday and I still had us I still had us coming up short for, for the top four. I still think that uh, Liverpool will just about make it just because their remaining fixtures are so easy, really. Mm. But, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's still a long shot. When you look at our games, we've got to play United, we've got to play Spurs, we've got to go to Stoke. I think it's still a big, big, big mm. ask. What about you? Look, I, I've got no idea. We, I mean, it's possible, obviously, but it will it will require something quite special. I think Aaron Ramsey said we've got seven cup finals between now and the uh, and the actual cup final. I think that's very true. But if the players can approach those games in the same way that they approach the game against Manchester City, you know, we've got a. We've got a chance. If we play like we did against Crystal Palace or West Brom, absolutely no chance. So it depends how how they can maintain this form and this effort and concentration. So uh, I think it, it's going to require something extraordinary, extraordinarily special. I'm not necessarily confident the team can do it, but I wasn't confident that we'd win against Manchester City as well. So, um, so That's yeah. it. I feel better about our prospects after the City game. Do you know what I mean? True. True. Um, Marginally. Yeah, okay, well, let's see. I, I'm going to come back to you for a question now in a minute. Uh, but I, I retweeted that thing, and a lot of people have, have come in with uh, with names like Nacho. There's a good few saying Nacho. Um, Danny Wellbark. Someone said Rocky would be a good name for, for the dog. Yeah, Rocky's a good name for um, dog. Bark over Mars. Nice. Uh, Sesk Labragas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Arsene, Mark Arsene face? I'm not sure. No, no. 
that's that's not a good one. Uh, but uh, yeah, Paul Mertesacker. So there's a, a good few. There's a good few There's out there. Options. Yeah, so There's Epstein has got plenty of options um, from Arsenal fans chipping in there on what that dog should be called. So, um, yeah, we'll find out in due course. We will find out and let you know next week, hopefully. Um, okay, I'll, shall I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay, this is a nice one. This is from Jordan Alex Moss, who asks, how tantalising a prospect is it that we could end John Terry's Chelsea career on a cup final defeat? Oh, it is. And actually, I have a related question here from Bold Steve, who's at Parlor Games N5. And he wants to know, which of the following FA Cup scenarios would you prefer? FA Cup final scenarios would you prefer? One, dominating Chelsea straight from kickoff, winning 5-0. Two, okay. a tight game, but one in which Diego Costa loses his shit and gets sent off under hilarious circumstances, which <laughs> Arsenal then go on to win 3-2. Three, Arsenal get outplayed by Chelsea throughout the entire match. However, it's John Terry's last game in a Chelsea shirt, and in the last minute of stoppage time, John Terry falls over and gives the ball away to the Ox, who scores the game-winning goal, followed by scenes of John Terry crying. Um, I... I mean, there's a lot to love about either, any of them. Yeah. They're all yeah, great. That is hard, isn't it? That whole... It's like Sophie's choice. I don't know. It's difficult. I... Oh. I think it would have to be th- the third option for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think, you know, we all enjoyed Steven Gerrard's slip, but this would be on another level. This it, would be... It would be unbelievable. It would be like when he slipped over himself taking that penalty in the Champions League and then was crying in the rain, hoping like Blade Runner, all the tears would be washed away, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, this, would be, this would be another level of that because it would involve us, obviously. And I don't think there's a sweeter sight in football than John Terry crying. <laughs> this would indeed be his pièce de résistance. I mean, I yeah, that would be... It's such a tantalising thought. I can't think about it too much. I can't allow myself mm. the possibility of, uh, you know, indulging that thought for too long. But, yeah, please, if there's any way that that could happen, mm. I'd rather that than the convincing 5-0, certainly. Yeah. In fact, the latter two options both appeal to me more than the convincing 5-0, which I know might seem absurd. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you because, well, I mean, we're only looking at it through the prism of knowing that we're going to win in the end, you see. That's why they seem so good to us. Um, you know, three early goals would be delicious. I'd, I'd enjoy number one a great deal. I'd, I would enjoy that a lot, beating Chelsea 5-0. Um, the Diego Costa one, absolutely. I would love for him to be sent off completely wrongly, mistakenly, a, a touch of the, um, I don't know, think of the worst sendings off you can think of, Xhaka, I guess, against Swansea, but something for for something much less than that, for for no reason at all. The referee just loses his mind and sends Costa off. Uh, but certainly number three, the idea of Terry slipping over and, and handing the FA Cup final to Arsenal. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be so, oh, be so good. So good. Yeah, I would enjoy that. Mm. I would enjoy it. But I mean, the thing is about that final, obviously it's it's daunting, but I as we said earlier, I just feel so much better about it than I would about Spurs final. Mm. And you know, 
we have beaten that Chelsea side this season. Uh, true, albeit true. A somewhat, a somewhat different Chelsea side playing in a different shape. We have beaten them, so mm. there is something to derive a little bit of confidence from. Absolutely. Okay. Well, look, um, time is tight this morning, so um, I'm going to let you get off and recover your. Uh, as much as possible, I guess. Thank you very You're much. Still, yeah. uh, still going to spend the day on the sofa, I imagine. Eff- effectively, yeah, effectively. Just, just like every other day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, we've got a game on Wednesday against Leicester City. Let's see how that goes. We'll uh, look at that game and preview the North London derby, of course, uh, on the Arscast on Friday. Uh, so, as ever, thank you very much indeed for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 